Father in heaven, thank you so much for bringing us here to Amen. We're, it's so nice to be together talking about important topics, being inspired to finish the work here that you have given us to do. Lord, uh, as we talk about uh, medical missionary work, um, I pray that your spirit may be present in our hearts, our minds, and help us to listen to what you're trying to say. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, once again, my name is Jeff, and I am a family and preventive medicine physician. I trained at Loma Linda for medical school and residency, and currently I am, or my family is uh, stationed in Haiti, in Port-au-Prince at the Adventist Hospital there. Uh, we are deferred, or I'm a deferred mission appointee of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, meaning that the church as well as uh, Loma Linda uh, helped pay back my substantial medical school loans for me while I serve at this hospital. Um, normally I should be there right now, but because of the political unrest that many of you probably have heard about, we are in the U.S. for the time being and waiting uh, to see where the Lord leads us next. Um, my, I'll just tell you a little bit about my family. I'm married to uh, Michelle. She is an architect, and I have two kids. Uh, our oldest is Eden. She's about, two, she's two, almost three, and our daughter Sela is eight months old. When our family first moved to Haiti in December 2019, almost two years ago, I was struck by the level of need that was present everywhere. I never lived in a place where the needs for the basic things of life were so apparent. Food, clothing, shelter, education. The needs were endless and so were the requests for help from staff, day workers, patients, and the community. While I was seeking guidance to address these needs, the Lord led me to a book called Welfare Ministry. So I was saying that um, when we got there, there was a high level of need and uh, a lot of people asking for help, and I wasn't sure exactly how to help them in a way that was actually helpful. And so I was looking for some guidance, came across this book called Welfare Ministry. It's a compilation of Ellen White's writings. And in the foreword, they say it, that it is a uh, uh, spirit of prophecy, instruction, in the delicate work of reaching hearts and winning souls through neighborly kindness. That's exactly what I was looking for. And as I started reading the book, I couldn't keep it to myself. It was really good. Uh, so the missionaries at Haiti Adventist Hospital, we got together every Sabbath and discussed two chapters of welfare ministry a week. It was such a blessing, and even more so when we tried to put things into practice. I highly recommend that you do this with a small group of people, too. It was in chapter three of this book, Welfare Ministry, that my attention was drawn to the critical importance of Isaiah chapter 58, which is all about medical missionary work. That chapter was entitled, A Divine Prescription, and that's where I got the title for this talk. Here are a few selections from that chapter that highlight the importance of Isaiah 58, The Divine Prescription. 
the whole of the 58th chapter of Isaiah is to be regarded as a message for this time, to be given over and over again. I have been instructed. Now, when I read those words, I, I pay closely, uh, more close attention. I have been instructed to refer our people to the 58th chapter of Isaiah. Read this chapter carefully and understand the kind of ministry that will bring life to the churches. And I cannot too strongly urge all our church members, all who are true missionaries, all who believe the third angel's message, all who turn away their feet from the Sabbath to consider the message of the 58th chapter of Isaiah. The work of beneficence enjoined in this chapter is the work that God requires his people to do at this time. It is a work of his own appointment. So let's take a look at Isaiah chapter 58. In verse 1, we'll notice who this chapter is addressed to. It says, Tell my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins. This is being written to God's people. Isaiah 58 is directed towards us, his church. So if you're a member of his church, listen up. We have come to a time when every member of the church should take hold of medical missionary work. The world is a lazar house filled with victims of both physical and spiritual disease. Everywhere, people are perishing for lack of a knowledge of the truths that have been committed to us. The members of the church are in need of an awakening that they may realize their responsibility to impart these truths. So who is this divine prescription for? It's for everybody. The world is full of victims of physical and spiritual disease. And medical missionary work can help. The members of the church are in need of an awakening. Medical missionary work can help. Medical missionary work is a two-edged blessing. It blesses those who do it and those who receive it. Medical missionary work is a treatment that God has ordained to awaken his people to help a hurting world. So what is medical missionary work? The 58th chapter of Isaiah contains present truth for the people of God. Here we see how medical missionary work and the gospel ministry are to be bound together as a message is given to the world. Upon those who keep the Sabbath of the Lord is laid the responsibility of doing a work of mercy and benevolence. Medical missionary work is to be bound up with a message and sealed with the seal of God. Notice that the medical missionary work is combined with the gospel ministry. They are closely tied together, but they're different. Medical missionary work refers to the work of mercy and benevolence. But divorced from gospel ministry, medical missionary work becomes simply medical work. In my experience, it's been very easy to fall into doing medical missionary work. <laughs> I love Jesus, and I want to share him with my patients. The desire to share is there. But I also don't want to fall behind in clinic. I like to close my charts and flow, clean up my in-basket, in the, in the meantime, 
and get home at a decent time to be with my family. In Haiti, I have a lot more control over my schedule as the assistant medical director. I have no charts to close because we're on paper, uh, no in-basket. I schedule my own meetings, and home is just a few minutes away uh, at any given time because we live on campus. But even as a missionary doctor, I have found that most of my time is spent doing medical missionary work. I go to chapel. I pray with patients. I pray before meetings with staff. I tell people, God blessed you. But in my day-to-day, it's still so easy to get caught up in hospital work, even in the mission field, that the missionary part of medical missionary work can often be neglected. Flying over an ocean doesn't make you a missionary. The way we practice or prioritize here doesn't automatically change when we're living and working in the mission field. Our health systems and offices are... uh, uh, including Christian or even Adventist ones, are designed to pr- provide excellent health care or more frequently sick care, while spiritual care is left to be done by the chaplains or whenever providers can squeeze it in, which in a busy practice can easily end up being almost never. Our systems are perfectly designed to get the results that we get, a high volume of quality care leading to financial compensation and little or no positive impact on the spiritual condition of our patients, staff, and community. Ellen White writes in Loma Linda Messages, the highest aim of the work, workers in these institutions is to be the spiritual health of the patients. Again, whatever one's calling in life, his first interest should be to win souls for Christ. Is there a disconnect between this aim and the day-to-day reality in many of our practices? Let's take a closer look at Isaiah 58 to learn what medical missionary work is. Is this not the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke. Wow, this sounds so much like Haiti especially now? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out when you see the naked that you cover him and not hide yourself from your own flesh? Verse 9, if you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and speak in wickedness, if you extend your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul. Put simply, Medical missionary work is helping others. Helping others. What does helping others look like in Isaiah 58? Freeing freeing them from bondage, removing their burdens, providing food, shelter, clothes. Providing material things is sometimes the easiest thing to do. Donating money, materials, or even services is something tangible and gratifying. In Haiti, requests for these things come frequently. Can I have money? One of the the first phrases I think children learn is, give me money. I'm hungry. My kids need to go to school. I need a phone. What would be the most helpful thing to do? It depends. For the earthquake victim who lost his home and loved ones 90 miles away, I have less of a problem providing some money to get him back home. 
I'd prefer giving him a ticket I purchased myself, but for tap-taps or pickup taxis, they're often pay on the spot, so I'm okay with giving him some money to help him get home. For the hospital employee with a salary, a smartphone, and enough data to watch videos during work hours, I'm less enthusiastic about giving a dona donation, but I'm comfortable having him do some work in my garden on the weekends for a fair rate and paying him to buy roofing materials for his house. Freeing people from the bondage of poverty, fear, insecurity is harder to address due to the systemic nature of the problem. It may be possible to help these people out in situations like this on a case-by-case -case basis, but it's not a quick fix. For people who are discouraged or in bondage, sometimes showing love through encouragement, appreciation, or sympathy will mean more than we know. Kind words, looks of sympathy, expressions of appreciation would be to many a struggling and lonely one as a cup of cold water to a thirsty soul. A word of sympathy, an act of kindness would lift burdens that are resting heavily upon some shoulders. A closer look at the text in Isaiah reveals that medical missionary work goes deeper than just simply helping others. There's a sacrificial component to it. We are to go out of the way to help people. Verse 7, is it not to share your bread with the hungry and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out? When you see the naked that you cover him, not hide yourself from your own flesh. If you extend your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul. This is where Christianity starts to distinguish itself from worldliness. I have no problem giving away my meal at the hospital calf if I know that I have some food in the fridge at home. We both get to eat, and I get to feel good about doing the right thing, win-win. It takes another level of sacrificial love if giving away my food means that I go hungry. One could imagine a mother doing this for her child, but for a stranger. And bringing the poor into my house... The word bring is active. It entails going out and bringing them in. It involves being on the lookout for those who may need a place to stay and offering my home rather than waiting for them to ask. In welfare ministry, the appendix is made up of many, many examples of how Ellen White did just this. Even with her own children in the house, she housed many people who needed a place to stay until they were able to get to a place of their own. It's hard to imagine how she did that and how we can do that today. Sharing our home is a very personal thing. It's very sacrificial. At our hospital, I know more than one family of our staff members that has done this very thing. They have taken on someone more needy than themselves and provided them a place to stay. Sometimes it's a relative, but oftentimes it's not. It blows my mind to learn how big the hearts of my friends and colleagues at Haiti Adventist Hospital are, bigger than their houses. Let them deny themselves luxuries and needless ornaments that they may make the suffering needy ones comfortable. In doing this, they, they practice the instruction given in the 58th chapter of Isaiah, and the blessings there, the blessing there will be, will, will be theirs. When my wife and I first got married uh, and we combined our finances, we would sometimes disagree on where we should spend our money. Um, 
sometimes I would say, let's not buy that right now, or let's buy this cheaper thing, uh, and we'll, we'll use the money to help other people. But oftentimes, those other people ended up being future me and future Michelle because we just left it in our, in our account and didn't, didn't put it aside. If you find yourself uh, in that same situation, one thing helpful that we've done is to put, um, to make a separate account or put it uh, physically in some place else so that you can't touch it until you use it to help somebody else. I'm going to share a, a rather long quote, but I tried to cut it down. I couldn't because everything was just so good. Um, this is in the uh, book Welfare Ministry again, uh, at the introduction of the, the whole chapter in Isaiah cha- uh, 58. Read Isaiah 58, you who claim to be children of the light. Especially do you read it again and again, who have felt so reluctant to inconvenience yourself by favoring the needy. You whose hearts and homes, sorry, hearts and houses are too narrow to make a home for the homeless. Read it. You who can see orphans and widows oppressed by the iron hand of poverty and bowed down by hard-hearted wordlings, read it. Are you afraid that an influence will be introduced into your family that will cost you more labor? Read it. Your fears may be groundless and a blessing may come, known and realized by you every day. But if otherwise, if extra labor is called for, you can draw upon one who has promised Then shall thy light break forth as a morning, and thine health shall spring forth speedily. The reason why God's people are not more spiritually minded and have not more faith, I have been shown, is because they are narrowed up with selfishness. Ouch. The prophet is addressing Sabbath keepers, not sinners, not unbelievers, but those who make great pretensions to godliness. It is not the abundance of your meetings that God accepts, It is not the numerous prayers, but the right doing, doing the right thing and at the right time. It is to be less self-caring and more benevolent. Our souls must expand. Then God will make them like a watered garden whose waters will not fail. Medical missionary work is sacrificially helping others. And the next point is that it is out of love. Motivation matters. Medical missionary work is a matter of the heart. The first part of Isaiah 58 is a rebuke to those who appear to be doing the right thing, fasting, praying, seeking God. But God calls them out for doing it for the wrong reasons. Even sacrificial good deeds done for the wrong reasons do not constitute true medical missionary work. Deeds done selfishly to gain the praise of men who cannot read the heart are of no value to God. Reminds me of the verse, 1 Corinthians 13, 3, And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. True love can only come from God. Without God, we cannot manufacture it ourselves. We are 100% selfish. We look out only for ourselves. Everything we do stems from a motivation to look out for me, benefit me, and make me look good. It is only the converting love of Christ that can transform our stony hearts into hearts of flesh that can truly love another 
as ourselves. Now, an interesting thing happens here. True medical missionary work, true medical missionary work is sacrificially helping others out of love. But for those who struggle with selfishness, the antithesis of the spirit of medical missionary work, guess what the remedy is? Medical missionary work, as found in Isaiah 58. The leprosy of selfishness has taken hold of the church. The Lord Jesus Christ will, will heal the church of this terrible disease if she will be healed. And the remedy is found in the 58th chapter of Isaiah. The leprosy of selfishness. The disease that numbs our hearts to the needs and pains of others. Selfishness, the cancer of the heart that aggressively spreads into all our thoughts and our actions, tainting even the most seemingly noble deeds. And what is the divine prescription? Medical missionary work, as found in Isaiah 58. The only cure for selfishness is to deny self and to work earnestly to be the blessing that you can be to your fellow men. Constant, self-denying benevolence is God's remedy for the cankering sins of selfishness and covetousness. He has ordained that giving should become a habit, that it may counteract the dangerous and deceitfulness, deceitful sin of covetousness. Continual giving starves covetous, covetousness to death. Systematic benevolence is designed in the order of God to tear away treasures from the covetous as fast as they are gained, and to consecrate them to the Lord to whom they belong. The injustice of the rich toward the poor, the hatred of the poor toward the rich, alike have their root in selfishness, and this can be eradicated only through submission to Christ. He alone, for the selfish heart of sin, gives the new heart of love. He alone, only Jesus, can remove our heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh. The new heart of love is an absolute wonder to behold. I'd like to introduce you to one of my friends in Haiti on the left. I think um, he's the one holding the baby. His name is Patrick. He's a medical missionary in the truest sense of the word. He's Haitian. He loves God. And he is always helping people. When he walks through the local slum, he is swarmed by children like a celebrity because he's helped them so much. I'll never forget hearing this story about Patrick. He and another missionary were visiting patients in a hospital, or in our hospital, on their own time, talking and praying with patients, visiting them. Uh, and they came to a room of a patient who had soiled herself and, and needed a, a diaper. If I had been there uh, with the offensive odor and the soiled mess, I would have thought something like, oh, I came at the wrong time. <laughs> Outwardly, I may have done the right thing, but it would not have been with enthusiasm. But Patrick's genuine reaction was, wow, I'm so glad that we came right now. We came right on time to help her. <laughs> Who does that? Who thinks that? Patrick. Medical missionary. His reaction exemplifies a genuine love for others that can only be found with Jesus in the heart. Sacrificially, uh, medical missionary work is sacrificially helping others out of love to bring them to Jesus. That's our fourth point here. 
The last few verses of Isaiah 58 allude to the restoration of the relationship between God and man, the relationship that has been breached by sin. Medical missionary work is reaching hearts and winning souls through neighborly kindness. The ultimate way we can loosen the bonds of wickedness, undo the heavy burdens, free the oppressed, satisfy soul hunger, is to bring them home to Jesus where they can be clothed by his white robe of righteousness. In him, we can help people find peace and joy. In him, we can help people find freedom. In him, we can help people find victory. Those from among you shall build up, build the old waste places. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations, and you shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. If you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy day of the Lord honorable, and shall honor him, not doing your own ways, nor finding your own pleasure, nor speaking your own words, then you shall delight yourself in the Lord, and I will cause you to ride on the high hills of the earth and feed you with the heritage of Jacob your father. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. We should ever remember that the object of medical missionary work is to point sin-sick men and women to the man of Calvary who takes away the sin of the world. That's the whole point. Sometimes um, I wonder if I'm practicing medical missionary work because um, I haven't had a patient yet uh, become baptized. Um, that would be wonderful, and I, I would still love, and I'm, that's still um, uh, something that I, I would love to see and experience. Uh, but this, I found this quote helpful. The question has been asked many times, should the physician feel it is his duty to open the truth to his patients? That depends on circumstances. In many cases, all that should be done is to point to Christ as a personal savior. There are those who would only be injured should any new doctrine not in accordance with their previous views be brought before them. God must guide in this work. So uh, sometimes I felt a lot of pressure, like, oh, I, there's just so much I, I want to share, uh, I need to share, but I have 15 minutes, and most of that time is, is, is uh, spent talking about what, what they came to, to talk about. Oh, how, how can I do this? But if, if I keep things simple and, and my one goal is to point them to Christ as a personal savior, that just sounds more doable. Okay, I don't have to talk, about, talk to them about this, 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 and this. I can talk to them about Jesus. I can point them to Jesus. Medical missionary work sacrificially helping others out of love to bring them to Jesus. Um, I remember hearing this illustration that highlights the importance of always keeping medical missionary work and the gospel ministry hand in hand. Imagine you have friends who have, uh, whose children have gone missing. They're not sure if they've gotten lost, gotten kidnapped, 
or even if they're still alive, they're worried sick. You go over to their house, and it's already full of people who are there to support uh, your friends during this difficult time. You hear singing. People are sharing how much these parents mean to them and how wonderful they are. People are trying to comfort the poor parents who have lost their kids. But the parents are not comforted. They get the attention of everyone in the house. They thank them for coming. We really appreciate your support. But if you really love us and want to help, please don't stay here. Go out. Find our children. We're so worried about them. We want them home. Bring them home. Showing love to the parents in this case would not be coming to their house week after week, singing praises, sharing nice things about the parents, and enjoying a nice plant-based meal together afterwards. Showing love to the parents would mean going out into the woods, onto the streets, into the neighboring areas, looking high and low for the children, finding them, caring for them, and bringing them back home. I'm sure you get the analogy. God is not interested in programs. He is not interested in our prayers, fasting, or healthy vegetarian potlucks if our focus remains on ourselves, our comfort, our convenience, our Christianity. He wants us to go out and find his children, take care of their needs, and bring them home. Do you think he'd be satisfied if we continue to meet at his house week after week telling him how much we love him? Do you think he'd be satisfied if we went out, found his children, took care of their physical needs, but didn't bring them home? We fed them, clothed them, gave them free medical care, educated them, found them a nice job, but didn't bring them home. Would he be happy with that? Do you think he'd be satisfied if we brought a couple of children home, but there were still some children missing? How about if we did bring them home, but we hadn't fed them, clothed them, or taken care of their health needs while they were under our care? Christ, the great medical missionary, is our example. He healed the sick and preached the gospel. In his service, healing and teaching were linked closely together. Today, they are not to be separated. Medical missionary work is sacrificially helping others out of love to bring them to Jesus. Medical missionary work is something that we do in the clinic, in the hospital, as we see our patients. But it's not limited to our workplace. Medical missionary work is something we do in our homes, with our family. Medical missionary work is something we do in our day-to-day lives as we interact with those the Lord has put in our path. Medical missionary work is a lifestyle. As Christian healthcare providers, as Adventist healthcare providers, medical missionary work needs to be our watchword. The wonderful promises in Isaiah 58 will be the result. When you're stressed out but your kids need your attention, medical missionary work, be sacrificial. Do not hide yourself from your own flesh. Your light shall break forth like the morning. When you're not feeling or doing well physically, nothing seems to be helping. Medical missionary work. Your healing shall spring forth speedily. When you're rushed in clinic and you can tell that the patient needs to have a heart-to-heart discussion, but you don't have time, you have others waiting. Medical missionary work. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. When you're feeling lost, discouraged, Your plans have not gone like they were supposed to. Medical missionary work. You shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. 
When you're surrounded by desperate need and don't know where to begin, medical missionary work. Do the work that is nearest, and the Lord will bless you. You shall be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. When you're seeing that difficult patient who's demanding, manipulative, rolling their eyes, draining your energy, medical missionary work. Love them for Jesus. Remember, the object of the medical missionary work is to point sin-sick men and women to the man of Calvary. The promises in Isaiah 58 were fulfilled in a wonderful way when I was in Haiti after the earthquake, the most recent one. Our hospital was flooded with patients. People were in the halls, on the floor. People were sleeping on our lawn. We were well over capacity. The days were packed from sunup to sundown. These were some of the most intense days of my life. The needs were so great and in every direction. I hardly had time to eat, and I was so tired all of the time. One day I got a call from one of the other missionaries. A 45-year-old woman had come to, from the quake zone after being hit by a falling object. After being seen in, the, in our emergency department, she had camped out in front of the volunteer housing area on a seat wall. She stayed there day and night, just sitting, not waving or talking to get anyone's attention, just sitting. I don't know why she didn't go home. Maybe she didn't have a home. Maybe her home had been destroyed. Uh, or maybe she just didn't have enough money to go home. I don't actually know what her reason was. But she was staying on our hospital grounds, sleeping in front of our gate, unnoticed by those passing by, including myself, until the missionary who had called me had stopped to talk to her. As she talked to the lady, she learned that she was still having some symptoms, which is why she called me. Jeff! Her tone told me that she was about to say something significant. Her name is Jesus-la. Jesus is here. In Haitian Creole. Jesus-la. When she said that, I almost got goosebumps. goosebumps. Jesus is here. Jesus is here. Jesus is here, and she almost went unnoticed. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer you shall cry, and he will say, Here I am. Jesula stayed on our campus until I left and beyond. She was a constant reminder that Jesus was there in the form of hundreds of people needing my attention. She reminded me that Jesus was there working alongside us, the great physician-in-chief, imparting healing and hope to those at our hospital. Medical missionary work is sacrificially helping others out of love to bring them to Jesus. It is our watchword. The disciples were to begin their work where they were. The hardest and most unpromising field was not to be passed by. So every one of Christ's workers is to begin where he is. In our families, maybe souls, hungry for sympathy, starving for the bread of life. There may be children to be trained for Christ. There are heathen at our very doors. Let us do faithfully the work that is nearest. Then let our efforts be extended as far as God's hand may lead the way. My challenge for us today 
is that we engage in this precious blessing that the Lord has given us, this divine prescription medical missionary work. Um, for the past several months, one thing that I found helpful that I learned from a talk by Pastor Don McLafferty is <clears throat> to claim the promise in Isaiah chapter 50, verse 4, as our own. It's, this, this verse is actually talking about Jesus, but uh, what the Lord did for Jesus, he can do for us. It says, the Lord God has given me the tongue of disciples so that I may know how to sustain the weary one with a word. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to listen as a disciple. The challenge is to let the Lord wake you up every morning. Regardless of how early or how late you may need to be up, let him wake you up. And whenever he does, get up and spend some time with him. Because he wants to give you the word to sustain the weary one that you will meet today. He wants to give you the prescription to give to somebody else today. The Lord God has given me the tongue of disciples so that I may know how to sustain the weary one with a word. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to listen as a disciple. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.